Just in time for me to take my seat. My name is Paul Ducklin. I'm joined by Mark Stockley, my friend and colleague. So, Mark Stockley, hi, web security expert. Welcome. We're here today to talk about getting web security right. So, before we start, just clarify for this particular podcast what we mean by web security for today. Okay, so what we're talking about today is the security of your website. So rather than how to browse securely and what you do as a, as a user with your web browser, what we're talking about is what you do as a website owner or operator to keep your website safe and, and your customer data safe. So these are the things that you do so that when users visit your website, they don't get nasty surprises. Uh, well, it's that in part, but it's also actually in reality about how you protect yourself from some of your users because not all of your users are nice people <laughs> of course it only takes one rotten apple to spoil a barrel yeah i, I mean it's a metaphor there, it's but... it's lovely to be easy to find yeah but if you're easy to find so that somebody can go and you know buy a new pair of binoculars you're easy to find if somebody wants to come and find out if you're running a sql database and what's in it why should somebody care if you're not an IT company and not a cybersecurity company? You've just got a website that tells people how to find your restaurant, get to your bakery, a basic website. Why does web security on your server matter that much? What could possibly go wrong and why, why should the community expect you to have decent web security? Well, I think in a nutshell, it's a bit like asking why should you care about your business? So for an awful lot of, <laughs> for an awful lot of companies, it's now an essential. Of course, you've got a website. You may have other things, but of course, you've got a website. And for a lot of people listening to this podcast, it will be the primary means by which people find that they exist. And in some cases, it'll be the thing that actually delivers the service that they do, even if that's just showcasing the products that you can buy. Or you're like, you know, come down to our, our showroom and see, you know, and try them for yourself. So asking why you should worry about the security of your website is a bit like asking why you should worry about the security of your shop if you're a shop owner or why you should worry about the security of your fleet if you're a, a fleet operator and you've got vans and trucks or company cars or something like that. So you should care about that as much as you should care about you know, the locks on your doors. In yesterday's podcast, we talked to Vince about GDPR yeah. and about that whole idea of your liability, that when you're collecting data, when you're doing stuff with your customers, you carry a concomitant responsibility. Exactly the same with your website, isn't it? Yes, exactly. Okay, so what are the most common mistakes that people make? What kind of things go wrong and why? So the, the, the kinds of things that happen to people's uh, websites are um, they can be subject to man-in-the-middle attacks, which means that uh, an interloper, or a bad actor, can sit between the person who's trying to look at your website and your website itself, and they can try and change the information as it as it, they act as a kind of go-between. Uh, they change the information either as it travels to the website or back from the website to the users. So they're hacking what your website looks like without actually needing to break into your website in the first place. Exactly. Okay. Um, we also see things like hacking and vandalism. Um, so you may remember a few years ago, uh, hacktivism was very popular. This idea of people defacing people's websites. Anonymous. <laughs> yeah. Nobody expects us. <laughs> no, that's the Spanish Inquisition. Oh, I don't sorry. know if they ever yeah. did any hacking, but um, would have been so, could. <laughs> so 
hacking and vandalism defacing people's websites often to uh, deliver political messages. Um, so just as an aside, we often think of cybercrime, perhaps rightly, as it's the way that these bad guys out there go out of their way to make money out of us unlawfully. But there is a small and not insignificant amount of hacking, virus writing, website poisoning, etc., which is still party like it's 1999, isn't it? Yes. And they're doing it kind of because they can. Well, so yeah, some of them are doing it, I've no doubt, for earnest uh, political reasons. And some of them are doing it, I've no doubt, because they want to see what it feels like to do it and they want to show off to their friends. In either yeah. case, I think the, the important thing is you can't expect those people to take great care of your data. So let's move on to the guys who want after your website because they see a way to make money illegal. So the money stuff, obviously we hear a lot about ransomware these days. People have been holding websites to ransom for years. Now, historically, that might just be the threat of denial of service uh, attacks. Pay us the money or the website gets it. Exactly that. Yeah. So it's it's very easy to outmatch a website's ability to deal with traffic. So what happens when the guys actually get that one step further? What sort of stuff do they get? What do they do with it? How do they get in? The guys that are actually breaking into your website, there's the, we can split those into two categories. The one, we've got a group of people who are trying to steal data and they might be trying to steal credit card numbers, uh, passwords, PII, things like that. PII, personally identifiable information. Yep. So, so that's stuff that you're numbers. holding about your customers yep. that you have a duty of care not to reveal because they gave it to you in good faith. Yep. Uh, and then the other category would be uh, people who are trying to turn your website into a zombie. So often in order to form part of a botnet, which is a, a sort of cloud computer for the bad guys. So a large collection of compromised servers or websites that are there to do a job for the bad guys. So often, uh, so a website, a compromised website might be used to launch attacks on other websites. Uh, these days, the Vogue is for crypto mining. So it might be used for mining uh, Monero or Bitcoin. So or crypto like mining this. is where they get into your web server. They implant some code that doesn't actually affect necessarily what your customers see, but it sucks down the resources of your web server, whether you're hosting it yourself or with a hosting company in order to generate Bitcoin or Monero or whatever. Basically, they're stealing your electricity and your computer time. Yeah, I think the, the thing about crypto mining is if, if somebody's crypto mining on your web server, it's not your web server anymore. It belongs to somebody else right. and they're allowing you for the time being to do something on the server that they control. And if they've put in a crypto miner, if it doesn't work out, because maybe you don't have the CPU power they want, they could pull out the crypto miner and through their little sort of their, their servant zombie that's sitting on that server, they could stick in a keylogger or a data stealer, or they could take, if you've got a download area full of PDF brochures, they could replace those with malware. So you become a repository. Again, that's a pretty poor look, isn't it? And you're still stuck with the problem after that's happened of kind of proving to your customers that that's all they did and they didn't go rifling through the data well, as well. It's not just your customers you need to prove it to. So something that everybody who operates a website should understand is that your website has got two audiences. There's a group of people out there who are interested in reading your website and what it says. Yeah. And there are a group of robots out there, computer programs operated by search companies, and they're interested in what your uh, website says as well and they will make value judgments about your website and they'll look at things like the performance of your website but they will also look at the security of your website so if google finds that you're hosting malware you can expect to get a warning from google and you, you'll find yourself slipping down search results so there's a, it's not just a reputational cost there is a material uh, search engine optimization cost 
associated with uh, bad security as well. Right. So in other words, the community as a whole learns that you're not that trustworthy. You slide down the search rankings. It can be quite a big job to get back up again, can't it? Often the way that the people, I think the way that people think about this is, is slightly wrong in that if you get downranked by Google, it, you don't have a natural position to which you will return when you fix all of your problems. Yeah, so you, you may well find it's, it's, a, it's a difficult road back up. Right. How are the crooks generally getting into web servers? We've got this idea that it's all about exploits and hacking and that they use these zero days at great cost and they break into your server through some hole that nobody thought of. But actually, most attacks don't unfold like that, do they? I think the good news and the bad news of, of, of web threats is that the, the threats to your website have not actually changed a great deal for the entire lifetime of the web. The, the kinds of attacks that succeed now are very similar to the kinds of attacks that would have succeeded in the late 90s. There's a very limited uh, range of uh, approaches that seem to bear fruit over and over and over again, which is that they, they are individually quite simple, but, but collectively quite difficult to defend against. So the first is what you're talking about, which is this idea of, um, you know, you can have the best security in the world in the actual software itself, but if somebody can get your account credentials and pretend to be you, then they have complete control of your website. So the first way that people need to be aware of that they might lose control of their website is by being fished. So if somebody sends you an email that says, hi, duck, um, this is your web host. There's a very important reason that you need to log in and for your convenience, here's a link. And then you follow the link, type your credentials into the bad guy's website. He owns your credentials. He logs into your web hosting account on your behalf. And now he owns your website, changes the password. You're locked out. Thanks very much. So that's almost worse than if, break, if the crook gets in via a security hole. You're out. Now, you have to get on the regular old telephone to your service provider and convince them that you're not the crook, you're the good guy, yep. and that somebody else has got in. And in the meantime, who knows what's happened? Yep. Like you can't go in and even mitigate that. So they would typically have access to the control panel where you manage the web server itself. They would get access to what's called the content management system. That might be something like Joomla or Drupal or WordPress, which is actually where you decide what you want to publish, where you keep track of who changed what. If somebody can get into your control panel, they can get into your content management system, then all bets are off. Um, so not only could they deface some words in an article, they could rewrite an article to praise a competing product. Yep. They could change all your downloads to be malware, basically change your credit card payment page so it goes to somewhere else. Good that you brought up content management systems, because that's an, another thing that I want to talk about. You, what your web hosting is, whether you do it in the cloud, uh, you know, with Amazon or somebody like that, or you have a web hosting package, uh, or you manage it yourself, is you've got a layer, of, you've got a, a series of layers of software. So you've got a box somewhere or multiple boxes. It's running an operating system. The operating system is running some kind of server software like Apache or Nginx, maybe an application software. And then on top of that, you've got Typically these days, a content management system, you've probably got some plugins, um, and then you might have a layer of custom code that some of your developers or a third party agency has written for you. And aside from your credentials being uh, stolen, it's the, those, those top layers that represent the biggest vulnerability. So, right, so in the old days, we, we used to be, oh, golly, I'm running Windows 2000 with Microsoft IIS, 
or I'm running some version of Linux with Apache, I better learn all about my Apache configuration. Now, those things are still an issue, but there's so much more these days on top of all of that, yes. isn't there? like you said. And even if you go, I know, I'll use WordPress and I'll stick with the standard. Usually you don't because, as you say, there are all these plugins and all of the rest of your system might get automatic updates and patches. But if you've chosen some plugins or your content developer has because that's how you want to make your website a bit different, you have to check absolutely all of those as well. Yes. And, and this brings us on to another issue, which is this idea of economies of scale. There, there are sort of monocultures of software now across the web where you've got very popular content management systems. So content management system like WordPress, which runs on something like a quarter of all websites. And then other popular content management systems like Drupal and Joomla that run on maybe 6% or 2%. You're talking about millions or tens of millions of websites. Uh, if somebody can find a vulnerability in WordPress software or Drupal software or Joomla software or Magento software. Magento is an open source payment platform. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a yeah. popular um, if, if popular e-commerce platform. So if somebody can find uh, a way of a vulnerability in that software, they've potentially got a way of hacking into millions or even tens of millions of different websites. So yeah. there's no hiding. There's no too small to be important to the crooks and there's no too big to be important to the crooks. Yeah. If they find you've got a hole and you're on the list and they happen to get in, whether they're going to make five bucks or five million bucks out of you, it's all money to them. They're going to take it. Aren't yeah. They? And uh, we saw a brutal example of this in 2014. So the, the popular content management systems actually have pretty good security records these days. They've generally got very active security teams and they're, they're pretty good at staying on top of the issues that they've got. But every so often, and a couple have emerged this year, every so often, there are fairly serious vulnerabilities. And in 2014, uh, October 2014, somebody found a very serious SQL injection vulnerability in the Drupal core software. Now, Drupal did a good job of going out and telling people under embargo, you know, large hosts were informed. Yeah. Some people got patched in advance, but there's a moment where they informed the rest of us. So how much time do you think you've got to install that patch? Well, I guess if the crooks already know, you've probably got a matter of hours, otherwise you're going to be the low hanging fruit. So in this case, the crooks were told at the same time as the website operators, yeah. that I've got the email too. And yes, within a few hours, automated attacks started appearing. And the automated attacks were so prevalent that the security team, Drupal security team, sent an email out, follow up a couple of weeks later, and they said that by their reckoning, if you hadn't patched within seven hours, you should operate under the assumption that your website had been compromised. Ouch. Okay, Mark, we're getting close to the end of the time we've got. So let's finish by you give us three or four quick tips. What can our listeners do to minimize the chance that they're one of these victims? Four simple tips that you can do today. So number one, patch, patch, patch. Right. That way, then you don't get stuck with the Drupal problem. If if you're and by patch, 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 I mean, don't patch someday. I mean, you need to have a plan for how you're going to patch quickly. How are you going to be? How are you going to find out that a patch is necessary? Who's going to apply it? Whose responsibility is what do you do when everyone's asleep? Right. All that kind of stuff. Number two, look after your passwords. So yep. this is this is something I run into with small businesses. They often don't understand the basic infrastructure of what they own. 
they've got a relationship with the hosting company, they've got a relationship with a DNS provider, and that those things have accounts and those things need passwords. So you should understand what you own, what the passwords are, and you need to minimize the number of people who's got access to those passwords. Right. Okay. And if the service offers two-factor authentication, jump at it and use it, right? Because that means if the crooks get the password alone, that's not enough. They also need a one-time code for every time they're logging in. Yes. Okay. Patch early, patch often. Yeah. Pick a proper password. And? Make sure that you are able to rebuild your website from scratch, ideally at the touch of a button. Without relying on logging into your content management system that could have already been compromised. Yes. So you need to be able to download your content and store it offline exactly the same precaution you take to protect, say, a laptop against ransomware, so that there's a copy of what you had yesterday that the crooks can't get at easily. Yeah, and it, but it's, it's not just your data, it's everything that makes up your website. So it's the code that makes up your website, the database, and then the data in the database. So the way that I think about these things always is that the website that your customers see should be an instance, a copy, of a reproducible process that you've got. Okay, and the reason you want to be able to download this and store it offline is not just to stop crooks messing with it, it also means that if you should fall out with your hosting provider, or if you want to open up in a new country where that hosting provider doesn't operate, you can easily inject your web your website or create a second version of your website so it gives you resilience and uh, continuity as well. It actually, I mean, it's it's too big of a, a topic for this. You know, I could talk for yeah. half an hour just on the on the reasons that that's a good idea. Yeah. But there is a security aspect to that. If all else fails, you should be able to reconstitute your website fairly quickly somewhere else. Right. And what's your last tip? Number four. This is, in some ways, this is the most important of all. Security is a culture and it's not a service. It mustn't be an afterthought. Absolutely not. So it needs to be a thing that is under discussion all the time. So if you're operating, say, agile methodologies are very popular these days, you need to understand in the context of your agile development methodology where security fits in. So right. Often, for example, with agile, there's a policy of fixing bugs first. You don't do any new features until you've gone through the bugs. So your security fixes need to be in that list of bugs. So in fact, Vince made this point yesterday, and he was talking about the idea of turning security from being a cost to your business into something that you can actually use as an asset, something that makes you stronger and your customers more likely to trust you. That's a very good way of putting it. Okay, I see we are almost at our given time, so I will do my best to wrap up and remind everyone that where we came in was, don't take fright, get web security right. Mark, your four top tips are patch early, patch often. Yep. So the crooks can't just wander in and change stuff at will. Pick proper passwords, which includes using two-factor authentication when it's available. Have a system whereby you have an offline backup of your entire website in terms of how to rebuild a clone of it, code and data included. It's a process to build rather than a backup. You know when they send the Mars rover to Mars, yeah. and they have an exact copy back at NASA. Back no, they don't NASA. have to go to Mars. They don't have to go to Mars. Right. They'll retrieve it from Mars. And the last thing, the, the overarching attitude, if you like, that you should have security as a culture. It's not a service. It's an asset. It's not a cost. It's a way of life. It's not just a button you press. Yeah, you, you can't buy it, but you can buy things that help. Excellent. 
Well, thanks for listening, everybody. And until next time, stay secure.